So we're going to do a little bit of a flashback because um, we, are, we are in true story. And when I say true story, you're like, huh, when were we back? When, when were we in true story? And it was November of last year. November of last year is when we were, the last time we had a, a teaching in our, in our journey through the Gospel of Luke called True Story. That's a long time ago. And so uh, this morning, uh, as we get started back in, this, in, in our journey through Luke, there's just no way. I know right now you're thinking, he's going to do a 36-week recap. No, I'm not, right? There's no possible way that I could recap that many messages. Um, so your, your friend, if you're here um, for the first time or maybe between November and now you've started coming, it's all on our website. Uh, it's, it's available by podcast. Probably the best use would be to download our church app. So if you go to the, the Google Play Store, or you go to um, Apple Store and just search for The Gathering NC, that's for North Carolina, um, The Gathering NC, you'll see our app. You can download it and everything's on that app. You know, podcasts, videos, all the sermon notes, everything you would possibly need is on that app. Um, you can just download that. So in, in the light of not trying to recap the entire thing, I'm going to give you a one-minute recap. You feel free to open up your, your watch, your watch stopwatch, uh, open up the app on your phone. You can time me. Ziggy's going to time me. I knew you would. Now, somebody's going to time me. This is a one-minute recap of why we are in Luke and how Luke came to be and why we called it True Story and all that. Are you ready, Ziggy? Ziggy's ready. Here we go. Start now. There was a Gentile named Theophilus, and he was very wealthy. Not only was he very wealthy, he was also very curious about a man named Jesus. He had heard these stories, these crazy, unbelievable stories that a man named Jesus had performed. And so as eyewitnesses to those stories started to die off, he went to a physician. His name was Luke, and he said, Luke, I will personally finance however long you need to go around and investigate the claims and the stories that we've heard about Jesus and see if they are in fact true. Dr. Luke went around investigating it and the books of Luke and Acts in your Bible are the, are the reports that he brought back to Theophilus. Here's what he found. He said, something unbelievable actually was undeniable that the Son of God and the Son of Man were both found in the same man, Jesus. And if Luke had delivered that message today, he would have used the hashtag true story. How'd I do? Perfect. So as we went through the first half of Luke, chapters 1 through 11, actually almost halfway through because there's 24 chapters in Luke. Here's what I learned about us and about me. 24 chapters. That's a big book, right? That's a big book. And so, uh, you know, 36 weeks, it took us 36 weeks to go from chapter 1 to chapter 11. That's a lot of time. And so as it's good stuff, right? Going through a book like Luke is kind of like ordering a steak and having them bring you a cow, right? Like the steak's in there, but dang, if it ain't a lot of hard work to get to it, right? I mean, there's a lot of meat here. And so what, what I've learned is our church, and maybe it's me, but I think it's all of us, we tend to do better with bite-sized portions, okay? And so what we're going to start doing is we'll keep going through Luke. But we're going to try to take these, these chapters that, that go together, and, and they all go together, but we'll pick some thematically that kind of fit together, and we're going to give them like little subtitles, right? And so today, as an example, we're doing one called Guardrails. We're going to start a five-week miniseries called Guardrails. It's all out of Luke chapter 12. 
Because when you read through Luke chapter 12, Jesus keeps saying over and over again, guard against, guard against, guard against. And so these are, these are guardrails. These are things that we need to have in our lives because there's something that we need to guard against. Now, understand how guardrails work. Guardrails are on the side of the road and they're there to mess up your car. Right? They're there to cause a little bit of damage but not as much damage as if you go over the cliff, right? So if you hit a guardrail, you're going to scratch the paint a little bit. It's not going to feel good. I've only fallen asleep at the wheel one time that I know of, that I know of. It may have happened at other times, but the one time that I remember, I was coming back from Columbia when I was dating Wendy and I'm coming back, you know, way later than I should have. And I was literally on Highway 52, about to turn to the, on the road that goes to my parents' house. I, could, I have like a half a mile from home, right? And all I remember is driving and then hitting something. And I realized I'd hit the curb, and I was going up off the road into the yard. And I was able to correct and get back on the road. And then I was wide awake for the last half mile, right? Just, you know how it is like when you, when you nod off and you're driving? No, like you're wide awake for a good five minutes, right? But I was home by then. That's what guardrails do. Guardrails are designed to get your attention, okay? You bump up against them and go, Ugh, if I don't change something now, I'm going to go further and I'm going to be in a bigger mess, okay? It's better to scratch my paint than to ruin the car, total it, and possibly lose my life. So uh, guardrails. In chapter 12, Jesus talks about five guardrails. We're going to take the next five weeks and just talk about one each week. And today we're going to be in verses 1 through 12. The guardrail this week is hypocrisy. Ugh, right? That's fun. Jesus is talking to his disciples. It says at the beginning of chapter 12 that the crowd began to grow so much so that they were trampling on one another. Imagine that, right? It's like a rock concert. They're trampling all over each other. And Jesus turns to his disciples and this is what he says. Be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. Don't you love Jesus? Like, are we talking about, is this the food network? I mean, what are we talking about? The yeast of the Pharisees. And then he goes on and says, that's hypocrisy. Be on, the, be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So as this crowd is surging all around them, they're trampling on each other. It's a pretty growing crowd. Jesus turns to his disciples first, and he says, put up some guardrails against hypocrisy. You need to guard against hypocrisy. So let's do this. Um, you're going to you get your note sheet. You're in your seat. You can take notes. I'm going to give you three things to remember about hypocrisy. But the first one's going to help us just actually understand what is hypocrisy, okay? So we got to know what it is. When I was um, uh, like eight, nine years old, I'm at my parents' house. I'm walking around outside. I loved animals. Like I was convinced I was going to be a veterinarian when I grew up. Um, and, and it didn't happen, obviously. But well, I take care of sheep, but whatever, you know. <laughs> I was convinced I was going to be a vet. And so I loved animals. We had dogs. We had goats. You know, we had all these things. But I never had a rabbit. Never had a little sweet bunny. And so I was, I was outside playing one day, and, and, I, and I saw a bunny. Like, just right there on the ground. I was like, uh, the Lord hath provided, right? It's like this beautiful, <laughs> soft bunny. And so I thought, I've got a pet. And so I, I bent down and I, I was going to pick that bunny up. And so when I put my hand under the bunny, like the top side was all beautiful and furry, but the bottom was like wet and sticky and warm and ugh. And so I like flipped it over real quick 
And the other side was like half eaten and bones and guts and bleh. like, I don't want that for a pet, right? Like, that, that's, that's, that's the best mental picture I can give you of, of hypocrisy, and that's not even hypocrisy, okay? That was not a hypocritical bunny, okay? Just, just stay with me. Watch this. All of us, everybody say all. All of us have inconsistencies in our lives. Is that fair to say? Yes. All. Of, who, how many? All. All. Okay. Hypocrisy is not the inconsistency. Hypocrisy is your conspiracy to cover up your inconsistency. Now, if that bunny had been alive and had said to his bunny friends, Paul wants to have a bunny for a pet, and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to get half of me eaten off. And I'm going to still be alive. I'm going to lay down and I'm going to pretend like I'm a cute bunny. And then I'm going to get him when he flips me over. Then that would have been a hypocritical bunny. Because there would have been intent. Hypocrisy is the conspiracy on, your and my, on our part to cover up the inconsistencies. All of us have inconsistencies. Now, Jesus, he, he's rough on the Pharisees. Um, and, and, you know, if you study about the Pharisees, I don't know that they were as bad as we might think that they were. But they were the target of Jesus' teaching here. He said, he didn't say look out for the yeast of whoever else. He said the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, just above Luke chapter 12 in, in chapter 11, you can go back and read it on your own time. Uh, Jesus, he, he kind of sliced them up good. I mean, he's like, woe to you and woe to you and woe to you. And in Matthew 23, you find the same kind of parallels. They're not all the same, but it's like Matthew and Luke, this really stood out to them. And so they, they recorded these events, right? And so in Matthew, here's three things he says about, about the Pharisees. Matthew 23, 3, he said, they did not practice what they preached. He framed it like this. You tell men to do stuff, but then you yourself don't even do it. Intentional, Right? It's intentional. Matthew 23, 23, he said they were intentionally inconsistent in how they gave. Well, yet you, you give this, but you don't give this. You give a tithe on, like, herbs, but you don't even show justice and mercy. You should have done this and also done this. They were inconsistent. Matthew 23, verses 27 through 28, he said that they were intentionally inconsistent in public and private righteousness. You act one way in public, but in private. The way Jesus worded it, because he's such a master with words, is you're like a cup that's clean on the outside, but on the inside is nasty. I'm paraphrasing. Have you ever gone to get, I mean, how many of you drink coffee in the morning? It's a bad time. It's a good time to drink coffee, but also a bad time because you need it, but you're so tired, you don't really pay attention to what's going on. Like sometimes I like grab a cup. It's my favorite cup. Coffee tastes better in some mugs, right, than others. And I put it in the Keurig and I, you know, like the whole thing and I, and then I get it out and I'm like, I drink the whole thing until I get to the part where you, get, you can drink the last little bit and you can see the bottom of the cup. Have you ever been drinking from a mug and seen what was still in it that didn't get cleaned by the dishwasher, but you already drank most of the coffee? Am I the only one that spits all the stuff out of your mouth that you possibly can? It's nasty. And Jesus said that's what the Pharisees were like. They were like, they looked so clean on the outside, but on the inside, 
They were corrupt. And Jesus says, you need to guard against that. He's telling his disciples this, guard against the hypocrisy. And it's important as, I just want you to again, he told them that as the crowds were growing. Listen, this is important for our church, okay? Now, we're not a mega church by any stretch of the imagination unless mega churches are like, you know, 50. So, um, I mean, we're growing. We've been around for five years. We're, you know, like last, last week, we almost had 400 for Easter. That's huge for us, right? So we're not a mega church, but in Albemarle, that's a church of, of size. It's a church of note, right? And it's just important for us to understand this, that Jesus took the opportunity as the crowds were growing to turn to his disciples and say, be on the lookout, guard against hypocrisy. And here's why. Because as the fan base grows, it's so tempting to focus more on the public than on the personal. We better keep them happy. We better, you, you start to feel this pressure and, and here's going to be the first guardrail. If you're just taking notes, the very first guardrail is the pressure to pretend. Hypocrisy pretends to have what it knows it doesn't. It's back to that conspiracy to cover up the inconsistency, right? I mean, all of us are inconsistent, but when we intentionally try to cover that up, when we pretend that we're not, that's hypocrisy. And so Jesus is in essence saying to his, his, his disciples, look, you can see the crowds growing, but if you're not careful about guarding your hearts, you'll miss the hypocrisy that's growing in you. You need to guard against it. Hypocrisy starts small, but it has enormous power. Galatians 5, 9 says, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. If you're a baker, you already knew that, Right? It starts small. Part of your big idea is hypocrisy is hard to detect. It is so hard to detect it. In in yourself. I mean, it's not hard to see it in other people. Can we at least agree on that? We're like, you are a hypocrite. (laughs) And they're going, they're looking at you like, and you are a hypocrite. And you're a hypocrite. Like, everybody's a hypocrite but me. Right? Like, even right now, when I said I'm teaching on hypocrisy, you were like, I'm so glad I brought so-and-so with me to church today. Right? (laughs) They really need to hear this message. Hypocrisy is so hard to detect, but here's the good news. The second half of the big idea says, but it's easy to correct. And, and it might feel like it's not, but at the end of the message, I'll show you how God wants us to correct hypocrisy. And it's really pretty easy. Hypocrisy is hard to detect, but easy to correct. That's why guardrails are so important. Some of you, right, like these three guardrails I'm going to give you, you're going to hear them and go, oh, yeah, that's happening in my life right now because you're bumping up against these guardrails and it's the Holy Spirit getting your attention saying, look, as you bump up against this, as you feel this pressure to pretend, that's a guardrail, that's a warning sign. If you don't take care of it here, you're, you're going to end up over the cliff. Some of you feel the pressure to pretend and when you start to feel that pressure to I'm just using examples that, that, look, you're going to think I'm preaching to you, at you. I'm not. It just applies to everybody, right? So everybody's going to feel like I'm preaching at you. I'm preaching at me too. When you feel the pressure as you have fought all the way from the house to park here to then get out and you turn to your kids and go, now you better smile in there. (laughs) I know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in our car stays in our car. When you feel the pressure to pretend, that's the beginning of hypocrisy. 
I, I want you to know, you need to hear this as your pastor, that's not welcome here. This is a place where we, we want to be real. We want to be authentic. As a matter of fact, if you've ever invited a friend who's not a Christian to come to church, more times than not, what they used to say was, I don't go to church because it's all full of hypocrites. They, they don't use that word anymore because they're millennials. Bless them. But, but what they're saying is still true. Here's what they'll say. I don't want to go to church because church isn't real. Same word. I mean, different words, same thing, right? They're saying, look, it's not authentic. I don't feel like I can trust what they're saying because they're one way at work and then they're another way at church and it just doesn't add up. And all they're saying is hypocrisy. And they're not even asking you to be perfect. They're just asking you to be honest. Right? To not feel the pressure to pretend. Like, crazy example, I know. And then we'll move on to number two. The first point's the longest, so you're good. Um, Obviously, I have this humongous sty in my eye. It's, it, it, it's probably smaller than it feels because it feels like it's about out here, right? But can you, can you imagine how ridiculous I would look if I had put makeup on to cover it up? Can you just picture that in your head right now, just for a moment? A little middle vacation for you. Can you picture me with makeup on to try to hide this? That, that's kind of how hypocrisy looks on the church. Everybody already knows. But more on that later. Okay, so here, here's your first point. Hypocrisy pretends to have what it knows it doesn't. Your first guardrail is this pressure to pretend. When you begin to feel that pressure to pretend, you just need to stop and go, hold up, time out. We're not playing the game, right? <laughs> I don't know what it would look like if you turned to your children as they got out of the car and said, you know what, we're taking this inside. I don't know, man. I mean, we have loud kids in the gathering, so I don't know. I don't know. It, it might be refreshing, you know. It might be different. Yeah, but y'all come walking in like mad, like angry face, and we're like, whoa, hey, what's wrong? We're just fighting. We're, we didn't finish in the car. We're going to finish it up here, you know. <laughs> just, man, flee the pressure to pretend. You don't have to do that here. You're loved you're accepted here. And, and even if not, you don't feel like that by us, because <laughs> we're human too, you're, you're accepted by Jesus. Man, the Holy Spirit that brought you here wants you here. You're accepted by him. You know, if, if we can't handle you the way you are, then we have a problem, not you. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know y'all, you're not bringing it inside. Just next week, we'll have like 10 people in here at 9 o'clock. And I'll, where's everybody at? Like, they're all still in their cars fighting. <laughs> they're getting it out before they come in. All right, so, so okay, so I'll make sure. Um, we talked a lot about that, sorry. But hypocrisy, just make sure you got it. Hypocrisy is not inconsistency. You've got to hear me say that because if you don't, you're going to be condemned. And that's not the point. Okay, Jesus didn't shame people. He didn't go, well, you better. No, there's no, should. He just... He's just pointing out the yeast of the Pharisees is hypocrisy because they acted like they had something that they knew they didn't, okay? So when you pretend to have what you know you don't, that's hypocrisy. I thought about doing something fun just to really illustrate it, like tell you that I'm a, really, I'm a world-famous rapper, you know, and you'd be like, you would laugh like one of you just did. <laughs> but you wouldn't know if it's true or not. You don't know if I can rap. 
But then, like, if the sound booth just dropped a beat and I had to go for it, my hypocrisy would be revealed, right? See, then you would know. It's like it's one thing to say you're something, and nobody really knows, but whenever you have to prove it, that's when it's revealed, okay? Hypocrisy is intentionally, intentionally covering up the inconsistency. So that's what Jesus is talking about. When he talks about hypocrisy, he's talking about that, incons- that con- intentional willingness to cover it up. Um, and he talks about the pressure to pretend. And then he turns to another pressure. Here's the second one. It's the pressure to perform. Um, the way I word it up here, I think it says hypocrisy seeks value from men instead of seeing our value to God. Jesus warned his disciples in the next few verses in chapter 12 to, to not fear man who can kill your body, but you should fear God who can kill your soul. And then, that's a ridiculously hard word, isn't it? And I hope he wants to hear that in church. Then Jesus comes back and says, look at the sparrows. They're, they're worthless to us. As a matter of fact, I, I can't remember exactly the currency value, but I think it was like a couple sparrow were worth like one-twelfth of a penny. It was just crazy, or one-twelfth of a denarii. Very, very, I mean, people just like, we dropped pennies, they dropped sparrows right it's like, don't pick up a sparrow don't want heads up pick it up all right and and jesus said if if god takes care of sparrows how much how much infinitely more valuable are you to god right so just follow this hypocrisy feels the pressure to perform because we want to please men more than please god and so we we act however they want us to act even though that's not really who we are a couple of things you might want to jot down hypocrisy seeks value from men instead of seeing our value to God and that will always create a fear of what others think of us more than peace about what God says about us when we feel the pressure to perform for men who cannot determine our eternal destiny we need to recognize that we're bumping into another guardrail that's trying to stop us from going over the cliff of hypocrisy. You don't have to perform for God. The correction we need is to return to a heart that's focused on pleasing God more than men. Galatians 1.10, Paul says, well, you were trying to please God, are you now trying to please men? We don't have to please each other. We don't have to perform for one another. The, the, the minute, and you are, I love, I love y'all because you don't make me do this at all, but the minute that you would make, I would start to feel this need to be a certain way to pastor you. If I gave in to that, then I'm the chief hypocrite because now I'm performing for you. And then you control me. You say, well, we want our pastor to wear skinny jeans. It's not going to happen. But if some Sunday I stood up on this platform, I probably should be careful what I say because it's getting recorded, but let's just go with it. If I stood up here with skinny jeans on, you would probably turn to your family and say, we need to pray for Paul because <laughs> he can't breathe. <laughs> Circulation. But you would say, we need to pray for Paul because Paul is feeling pressure <laughs> literally in my legs. But he's, feeling, he's obviously feeling pressure before because that's not Paul. See how that works? 
that's part of that's the guardrail. It's this this pressure to pretend that everything's okay, but then this pressure to perform for people. When you start to feel that, um, how does that work out in our church? Community group leaders. Well, I have to be a certain way to be a good community group leader, right? That's pressure to perform. That's not God. So then what happens is then you, you pretend and you perform for your community group, but that's not who you really are. It's just a guardrail, right? When we start to feel that, and then I, I've only, I'm only two, two in, I got one more to go. I already know that as I say pressure to pretend and pressure to perform, some of you are like, dang. I mean, he's already nailed me with two of them. I hope I can get out of the third one, right? This is just, this is just humanity. Man, we, we struggle with this all the time. Understand that Jesus turned to his disciples, men who at this point were pretty all in, and said, watch out, right? So we don't think we should escape that because if we'd have been there, he'd have told us the same thing. Here's the third one. Hypocrisy refuses to acknowledge the God we know. So let's, I talked about falling asleep at the wheel. Let's just use that analogy. Let's just say that we're, we're all very tired drivers and we've hit two guardrails already. And you know you're tired when you bust through two guardrails, okay? And we still haven't woken up. You felt the pressure to pretend, you feel the pressure to perform, and you're still not making corrections. You're going to hit one more guardrail, and it is a big one. Here it is. You ready? The pressure to pull back spiritually. I don't mean pull back so you can recover because, you know, it's good to sometimes Sabbaths are good and breaks are good. I'm talking about the pressure to pull back from your faith. I remember when I was youth pastoring, I would go and, and I would hang out with students on campus and eat lunch with them. And I, I learned so much about my students when I would go to the schools to eat lunch with them. And I, you know how I learned it? It was all in how they introduced me. I was, I was um, this is Paul, man, he's my youth pastor. He's cool. Or this is, oh, <laughs> Or they wouldn't introduce me at all. I would just sit there like some strange grown man on a high school campus. <laughs> Awkward, right? I remember one time having lunch with one of the girls on my youth group who was a cheerleader and it was on game day. And so I was a grown man at a table with seven really perky cheerleader girls, all wearing their cheerleader outfits. Uncomfortable, right? <laughs> I learned a lot just in how they introduced me. Jesus says something horrifying in the last few verses that we're looking at today. He says, I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But he who disowns me before men will be disowned before the angels of God. Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven hypocrisy and this is the biggest guardrail of all because if you don't correct going through the first two this is the third one you're going to hit and it's this pressure to pull back on your faith it's this pressure to say hey who's that guy you're hanging out with oh that's Jesus I don't want to look crazy 
I won't talk about Jesus anymore. I'll just talk about God. And Jesus is clear. Not whoever doesn't say God, but whoever refuses to acknowledge the Son of Man. His name is Jesus. I will refuse to acknowledge him before God. That's heavy. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a bomb to drop 28 minutes into a message, right? But Jesus says, look, there's this pressure to pretend and you need to correct that. And there's this pressure to perform. But if you don't correct that, if you bust through those two guardrails, you're going you're gonna to start hitting this pressure to pull back. Slow down, big boy, right? It's like when you first met Jesus and you were a teenager and you went home and told your parents that you were going to sell everything and move to Sri Lanka. And they were like, is that a state? No, it's a country. I'm going to move there. I'm going to tell unreached people about Jesus. And your parents kind of did that nervous parent smile like, that's nice. And in the back, as they were going to bed, they were like, God, help our son to just find balance. That's the pressure to pull back. Whoa, let's not go crazy. And that's another guardrail against hypocrisy. And here's how it plays out, okay? I know this is a heavy way to end, and we'll fix it, I promise, okay? Just hang with me. Give me two more minutes. So here's how that plays out. You go to the gathering, right? I just, I heard about you, man. Like, y'all, like y'all just paid a building off. Like, it's crazy what God's doing at your, at your church. Like, how is it happening? Uh, well, you know, I mean, like, God's cool. Paul's a good preacher. Phil, Jennifer, oh, worship. I mean, a bar, come on. What's not to love? Well, I'll tell you what's not to love. What's not to love is you've just mentioned four or five things and hadn't said Jesus. Well, but, but, but it's the gathering, right? People think we're crazy, Right? They, they might not like me anymore. They don't like you now. It's, you just start to pull back a little bit. Your child says they feel called to the mission field and you get scared instead of celebrating. You pull back a little bit. And Jesus says, this is huge. This is a big warning. Like, look. You're, you're beginning to live this hypocritical life where it looks like you're all in, but you're really not. Because you won't acknowledge me before men. And he says, if you don't, you don't fix that, you're going over the cliff. He mentions blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I, I knew I, sh- I shouldn't just devote a minute to that, but I want to make sure I clear that up. So. When I was growing up as a teenager in church, that was the greatest fear I had was I was going to commit the unforgivable sin and be in hell for the rest of my, for us of eternity. And so all I need to tell you to just is this. Listen, if you think you may have committed that sin, you didn't. Okay? What, what Jesus is saying is this. I've given you guardrails to guard your faith and you have willingly and intentionally busted through all of them. You are going to end up 
in a ditch, wrecking your faith, far from me because you didn't listen to the guardrails that we put in place. And in that state, you will die and there is no forgiveness. The ultimate blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, there's only one way to blaspheme the Holy Spirit and it is to deny the very Redeemer that the Holy Spirit has a purpose of pointing us to. And so when we turn our back on Jesus and refuse to acknowledge him, then what we've done is we've said, I don't need Jesus. And you die like that, there's no forgiveness. You need to see not an angry God who's telling you that. You need to see a loving God who's saying, I put guardrails here for you to, to guard you against hypocrisy. Don't even get to the pressure to pull back. Listen to me when you hit that first guardrail and you start to feel this pressure to pretend the next Sunday you park the car and get out and feel like you need to put on a happy face pay attention to that and repent of it and tell God I don't have to pretend with you and I don't have to pretend with your people I'm loved because of Jesus and what will happen is just like me hitting that curb you wake up correct back onto the road and just keep on going that's how we deal with hypocrisy. So let me, I told you, hypocrisy is hard to detect. I hope I've given you three guardrails that are like practical enough that you can kind of see in your life. Okay, I see where I might be dealing with some of that. Let me talk about how it's easy to correct, okay? Because here's, we need, to, we need to land this. In 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, Jesus gives us, uh, God gives us, what we need to do be, when we start to feel this, this hypocrisy. Because again, hypocrisy is this conspiracy to cover up, okay? So hypocrisy lives in the shadows, right? It's not in the light. And here's what, here's what John wrote. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. 1 John 1, 7, here's the verse that's key for us today. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And when we do that, verse 9 says he's faithful to cleanse us of all sin. So here's how this works out in our lives. Let's just use, can we use work or school? <laughs> Teen, teenagers in the room, you're going to love this. So work or school, right? So um, if you've been hypocritical in those arenas of your life, the way that you would step into the light, the way that you would correct hypocrisy would be, and God will give you the words and way to do it, but the way you could do it is this. You would maybe write a note to your coworkers write a note to your boss. Maybe you would just speak to them face-to-face. Maybe uh, students, you would, you would speak to your teachers or you would write a note to your friends at school and you would simply say this, busted. I'm busted. I love Jesus. And over the weekend, God's been dealing my heart about hypocrisy and I suddenly realized that I have been living hypocritically in front of you. And I just wanted to say to you, I'm sorry. I love Jesus, and he loves me the way I am, and, and I, I, I just wanted to come clean with you. And they're going to look at you, you know what they're going to say? Well, what's your action plan? That's not what they're going to say. They're going to say, uh, come again? 
wait, what'd you just say? You're asking me to, what, forgive you? Wow. They'll walk away. And they'll go find all your coworkers and go, something's happening into Paul. He just asked me to forgive him. And then you can take it one step further. Will you help hold me accountable? So the next time that we're hanging out in the cafeteria and one of you tells a joke that I know I shouldn't laugh at and I do anyway, you have permission to look at me and say, but Paul, remember when you told me that you're trying to, I mean, is this one of those times? Mm -hmm. That's how you get rid of hypocrisy. You just step into the light. Just fully into the light. This is who I really am. And I just want to not pretend in front of you. I don't want to perform for you. And I don't want to pull back on my love for Jesus Christ. That's how you correct hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is hard to detect, easy to, to correct. Just simply step into the light. And I want to give you the opportunity right now to do that. Okay, so I want you to just close your eyes. And I want you to think through these three guardrails, okay? Just real quick, think through these three guardrails. This, this pressure to pretend, this pressure to perform, this pressure to pull back in our faith. And I want to ask yourself this question. Are any of those three guardrails, am I bumping up against any of those three guardrails in my life right now? And if the answer is yes, then today, right now, you need to step into the light. And it, it starts with stepping into the light in front of the Lord. And so if, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. You're not going to stand up. not going to come to the front. Just raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you. And then um, we're going to wrap this thing up. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you so much. There's a reason why people say they don't go to church because of it's full of hypocrites, and the reason is because it's full of hypocrites, right? We all struggle with this. We all have inconsistencies, and I just want to close this morning praying for you guys that raise your hands, and, and again, like just thanking Jesus that he would love us enough to help us put guardrails up to protect us from doing further damage in our own lives. So God, those that raise their hands, we just say thank you for your spirit speaking to them, Thank you for meeting us here today. Nobody likes to talk about hypocrisy, God, but yet you do it in such a way that we want to acknowledge it in our lives. We want to correct, get back on the road and keep driving far, far away from the wreckage that could have happened. And so we say thank you for allowing us, God, to feel these pressures that are just warning signs that we need to make some changes and this morning we step into the light we we invite your spirit to, to shine your light in us psalm 139 you wrap that psalm up simply saying search me and know me O god see if there's any way in me that's offensive and lead me in the way everlasting that's what we're asking you to do right now shine your light in us and reveal to us areas where we need to correct God, I pray that our witness at work, at school, in our homes, it would glorify you. 
because it would be authentic and real. And while it might not be perfect, we would not feel the need to create some conspiracy to hide those inconsistencies. Thank you for the freedom that comes from stepping in and walking in the light. In your name, Jesus, amen.